Welcome to We Found Another Hour, a podcast and ministry of Grace Baptist Church, Springfield, Tennessee. Listen now as we join our host, Dr. Steve Freeman, and his guests as they give biblical insight into your toughest theological questions as we explore the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. We are excited to be on another episode of our podcast, We Found Another Hour. And uh, as you've figured out by now, that title comes from the fact that just on Sunday morning and just through the ebb and flow of preaching and teaching, there's just not enough time. And I'm sure I have one in the studio today that would attest to that. And uh, I'm excited uh, uh, for our guest today. Well, one is not a guest. Brother Michael Sharon has been with us before. He's our student pastor at Grace Baptist in Springfield. And uh, so he'll be joining us in on the podcast. But my... Um, this, this may be one of the most exciting days of not only doing podcasts, but just in ministry, because uh, today joining us in studio is my pastor, Dr. Larry Robertson, pastor of Hilldale Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. And uh, well, I'm sure, uh, Brother Larry, as you tell us a little bit about what's going on at Hilldale and in your ministry and all that, but I'm sure you can attest to the fact that there's just not enough time to preach on Sunday morning. I know that because I've said in your sermons. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sensing that you are implying that I preach long sermons. Well, it's not an implication. It's just the truth. It's so, just you the know. Truth. I, mean, I, will, I will agree with, uh, with what you're saying. It, it always feels like we run out of time. Never enough. And I, I tell people all the time, I, I never struggle to find something to preach. My struggle is deciding what not to preach. Oh, that's exactly and right. And so, uh, you know, I, I have lots of things I want to talk about, just not enough time and not enough people who want to listen. <laughs> well, we uh, certainly thank you all both for being here. And uh, we've got some great questions. But before we do that, you know, um, we are, uh, and you don't know this because you're not seeing us, but we're on location here at Hilldale Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee, and uh, this is um, uh, my home church, and Brother Larry and I have been on this spiritual journey for almost 20 years, uh, 19 years he's put up with me and then uh, helped and invested his life in not only me but so many others and lots of us young pastors we we both come from the same alma mater and uh, uh, obviously that's just how it goes in ministry uh, you go to seminary where your pastor there went you to seminary and uh, i'm so thankful i did so we have all those things in common uh, but mostly what i'm thankful for is just um, his recognition of god's call in my life his validation of that and his uh, investment in that, and I'm, I'm so grateful. So, Brother Larry, welcome, well, thank and you. thank you for everything that you do and have done. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, just life and ministry, or just whatever you want, want to say as it pertains to whatever you want to talk about. This is your time to shine. You got 12 seconds. Go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> I, well, let me just begin by saying how proud I am of you, and you did not prompt me to say that, but I am proud of you. Um, Hold on just a minute. Hold yeah. on just a minute for our listening audience. Can you start over and do that again? <laughs> Soak it up. Yes, yes. This thing will be edited in the end. It'll have, you know, this this repetition. I'm proud, I'm proud, I'm proud, I'm proud, I'm pr 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 proud of you. But uh, but I am. God's 
um, done remarkable things through you. I, um, I give the Lord great glory, and I give Leanne a great amount of uh, oh, credit as well. Because you know, you I, wouldn't be where you are if it weren't for that bride of yours. You, for the Lord <laughs> and Leanne. And you know, I almost invited her to be a guest on our podcast, but she refuses to listen. You know, I mean, she just, I think she refuses to listen because she said it's painful. Here's what she told me. I told her one time, I said, I think I'm going to teach a class. This was in our Grace University at church, you know, and we do Wednesday night discipleship, Grace University. I said, I think I'm going to teach a class. She said, I don't think teaching's your gift. And then I said, oh, so you're saying, you know, that I'm a better preacher than I am teacher? She said, I didn't say that oh. either. <laughs> so, you know, she's, and her spiritual gifts encouragement. Yeah. That's why we okay. love her. Well. That's why we love her. Now, she's awesome. Love you, babe, if you listen. Love you. Love you. <laughs> well, um, we are both blessed with our wives uh, beyond measure. But, but life's good. Life's busy. We um, you know, have lots of things going on in the life of the church and, and uh, as, as ministry goes, oftentimes we're always in a process of, of um, adjustments and redefinition. And, and uh, because times, as, as the great theologian Bob Dylan said, times they are a-changing. And <laughs> what works um, today might not work tomorrow. What was really effective 10 years ago is, you know, just not connecting necessarily anymore. And, and that's not a criticism of of the old truths or anything like that i know some people get bent out of shape about old-time religion but i think that it's important for us to not not be so entrenched with the language of zion that we end up speaking a language that nobody understands anymore we've got to we've got to be able to speak and to live minister touch where people are if we're going to present the gospel to them. So uh, that's always a challenge, but a good challenge, and we're seeing some really neat things happen in that regard. My family's uh, really doing well and uh, going through some transition there. We had a daughter get married a, um, oh, what was it, a year and a half ago now. Um, other daughter is uh, dating real seriously, and, and um so just just exciting days. It's really good, and I have noticed uh, in the fact that uh, we both may be getting a little older. I lost my hair, but yours is turning gray. So I mean, it's just some earmarks of ministry and life, and it's good. And uh, hair is growing out of places that it didn't used to grow out. Man. <laughs> Amen. My ears, nose. my nose. <laughs> Well, let me say uh, just a follow-up word to exactly what you're talking about in ministry. And one of the things I'm most appreciative of in um, uh, my uh, just or your mentorship of my life and ministry, because I surrendered to ministry under under your um, uh, preaching. God just fused us together, and I'm sorry, but that's just <laughs> I mean, but. Here's what I learned. Hey, by the way, when he was president of the Tennessee Baptist Convention, he was, <laughs> was preaching. Here. He was preaching, and he said something, and people started looking at me, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I, I have no control over what he says in yeah. the pulpit. I think I remember that. Moment. But you're, you're his pastor, that. and I'm like, I know, but I can't control that. But anyway, go ahead. There's nothing you can do. He's out of control. All right. <laughs> this is the same way he's always been. This is what Larry said. I can't do nothing with him. But uh, one of the uh, greatest things that I think that are takeaways in ministry and just under your mentorship is the fact that the, the message never changes. Right. 
but the methods always yeah, have to. Absolutely. And uh, so I'm grateful for that because it is. Um, culture is always changing. We're supposed to be changing culture, but either way, it's changing so that we have to adapt to. Well, we're always shooting at a moving target. Exactly. And and so we we can't keep shooting at the same spot and expect to connect. Mm-mm. Well, that's again, that's one of the greatest takeaways I think of ministry in general. Um, but you taught me that, and I'm so uh, grateful. There's so many other things you taught me, and uh, we don't have time to, to air those out, and some things I taught you, but we certainly can't talk <laughs> about those because I've not always been uh, a pastor, you know, and I certainly wasn't voted most likely to be a man of the clergy, so we'll leave those things at bay. But um, Pastor, uh, <laughs> congregate confidentiality. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So we got some great questions as we travel, uh, Brother Lair. We're in Explore the Bible, and uh, really, it's a sermon series. And what we're doing at Grace Baptist and Have for the last four years is basically we preach and teach the same thing in Sunday school and the pulpit. So we're just simultaneously right now we're currently walking through explore the bible um you know the the curriculum from lifeway uh we did answers in genesis before that we're doing and but we're preaching and teaching the same thing and then through that uh we're uh reading the bible together and we allow people to ask questions in regards to what they read that they may not understand it gives us a great platform to come and answer some tough theological questions and we've got some today so we'll get to those right after this break. You're listening to We Found Another Hour, a podcast and ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Springfield, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church or any of its affiliates, please go online to www.gbcspringfield.org or simply write to us via email at podcast at gbcspringfield.org. We'd love to hear from you. Let's continue now listening as our host, Dr. Steve Freeman, and his guest continue to give biblical insight to your toughest theological questions. All right, now we're back, and uh, again, with us, uh, helping to answer this tough theological question, or these questions that we have, Brother Michael Sharon, our student pastor, Dr. Larry Robertson, senior pastor of Hilldale Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. And here's some questions that were rolling from the book of Genesis. Now, we've got a listener who uh, wrote in at podcast at um, gbcspringfield.org, and that's where you'll get that contact information at the end. But here's the question. Very simple question, but so much complexity in its answer. And the question comes from Genesis chapter 4, verse 17. And the question is simply this. Where did Cain get a wife? And a follow-up question of that is, and a town. I'm going to try to read it probably like this listener wrote it. And a town? Okay, so there, there you go. I'll put it in complete context. So where did Cain get a wife? And what about a town? So here, here we go, guys. As we think about Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, um, Brother Larry, set this up for us, if you will. Just kind of set the background. We got Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel, we got offerings being brought. Just kind of set us up on the theological background. And then let's talk about Cain and his banishment and then his marriage. And where did that woman come from? So keep in mind that we have three children of Adam and Eve who are named. But the Bible says that they had other sons and daughters. And so you have Cain and then you have Abel. 
and then sometime later you have Seth. And Cain is the is the one we're we're talking about. Of course, Cain killed his brother Abel. He um, was jealous of his brother. Uh, that's another question as to why Cain's offering was rejected and all of that. But um, he, he, he was jealous of his brother. Satan uh, tempted him, inspired him to kill his brother. He did. He killed his brother. God comes along, asks him, uh, where's your brother? And he gives that, that now infamous line, am I my brother's keeper? And God tells Cain that your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. But God banishes, as you said, banishes Cain out you know, even further from the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden because of their sin. Now Cain is pushed even further out. And one of his complaints was that he would be a wanderer. He would be a vagrant. Uh, and, it, and it caused him to fear. But God showed him mercy even in that. Now, there is some... I think misunderstanding, and this may be the Genesis, uh, for lack of better terms, considering we're talking from the book of Genesis, but this may be where this question comes from. There, there is a misunderstanding that Cain left his family, went to a city called Nod, and found himself a wife, yeah. as if there was a city full of people, a society right. outside of Eden, where he could find a wife. The Bible never says that right. at all. In fact, if we read the scripture, verse 17, of course, follows. Well, verse 16 says, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had relations with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. The, the, the text never says that Cain found his wife in a place called Nod. In fact, it would be helpful to know where or what Nod was. Nod in the Hebrew language literally means wandering, literally means vagrancy. Hey, Brother Michael, I did know that. I learned that, but I would <laughs> never tell him that. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. And so was he going to a, a, a town called Nod, or is this simply uh, describing the the very existence that he feared, mm-hmm. that he was going to be a wanderer, he was going to be a vagrant, because uh, he ended up building a city right. yeah. that he named after his son. Literally, the text says he settled in the land of Nod, which doesn't indicate the city, a town, a community, it's just a piece of land that would be designed, I mean, for wandering. A land, uh, I mean, he's basically banished and he goes to a land of wandering. It's a wilderness of wandering. Yes. So. He, and, and, and that describes the, you know, the, the, the distance. It describes the outsideness. That's not even a yeah. word. But, uh, but of his existence, that, that he was no longer part of the, the, the community, he, mm-hmm. he was now beyond that. Of course, he was there because of his actions. Right. He, you know, he was responsible for his actions. He made his choices, and now he had to live the consequences of his choices. But 
the town, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't go to a town, he just wandered. And well, I think that that's important, um, you know, to, to get that theological perspective again, because of, of his sin, because of his choices, uh, he was banished. But there, you know, and we pick up with an interesting part, and that is the fact that uh, the Bible just moves right in. And see, if anybody doesn't think that the Bible's interesting, I mean, here we've got a man who goes to a, a land, and there all of a sudden there's a wife that appears, but the first thing they talk about is them having relations. Now, we don't have time to go into Hebrew of that, and we want to keep this PG-13, but that means that they did the deal. But in order to do that, somewhere along the line, they had, I mean, they were married. He got a wife from somewhere. And that's obvious based on what you just described, to which I agree, um, that it, it wasn't that he found a wife there. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, he still had a wife. So the question becomes, where did this woman come from? And, you know, what, what does that look like? Brother Michael, uh, what are your theological thoughts on that? What an easy question to lead with. Um <laughs> I this is one that your youth ask all the sure, time. Yeah, I mean, because they really about care about this. So I, I've always kind of wondered when Cain is is banished from the garden, um, is he already married? That's that's a question that I've had. Like like when he kills Abel, is he already married? I mean, we time is really sensitive throughout the book of Genesis, but sometimes when we're reading stories, we kind of forget that, that these people live to be six, seven, eight hundred years old. I mean, they're old, and we know that Adam is 180 when he has Seth, and, and that's how the, the chapter ends, but, but I kind of think, you know, obviously God's first commandment to Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply which is one of my favorite yeah i mean it's good and i'm just gonna be i'm just sharing with you it's one of my favorites to be naked and not ashamed to be fruitful and multiply yeah i'm with that um but but no i mean i think cain's wife came from adam and eve well interesting i don't think that god creates two separate people groups and and like we said that he wanders around and finds them the scripture says that eve is the mother of all all creation and so um she obviously was his sister. Okay, so in that, really, if you follow theological lines uh, or theological theories, if you will, I mean, predominantly there's two threads of th- theories. Here, here's here's theories, and, and it's obvious that even in our discussion, we're leaning toward one more than the other. But here are the two theological threads that, that really go. One, uh, you know, Cain's wife came as a result of God creating more than just Adam and Eve. This is a theological theory, which uh, that's based on Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27. And the Bible says that he created them male and female. And um, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, our, our implication is that them is Adam and, them. and Eve, yes. the two people. But yes. a them can be, uh, it's plural. So it could be two, three, 2,000. I mean, it could be. So this is where that the I, I, I don't think it holds a strong uh, theological uh, value to it because the, the, the implication to me and to most when you read that 
it's talking about the two that he created. Yeah. But, however, some say, well, you know, God could have created well, us. Some say that, but, but that's not really supported in the Scripture. And the mm-hmm. question you have to ask if you think that, okay, so we know that sin entered in the world through Adam. So if he created another set, how did sin enter the world through them? But, and then and, and we get the promise of you know redemption in chapter 3 that there's coming someone from your line, Eve, who will crush the head of the serpent. Where, where's the other redemption for somebody created? But go back to that verse that Eve is the mother of all living. So, and right. so to me, the, the scripture argues against that theory, which is, you know, it's, it's uh, influenced or maybe flavored by the Bible, but it's not, it's not biblical in its origin. So then we're left with the, uh, the, the other. Well, well, this theory. other theory, and that is the fact that Adam and Eve, we know, had other sons and daughters from Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, that tells us that. Um, here, here's questions that go along with that. Okay, how many or, or when did they have them? Uh, we, we don't know. All that we know, that there's other questions that center around Cain and Abel in this time period. See, oftentimes we think so one-sidedly through the Bible. We think, okay, we got Adam and Eve that had Cain and Abel, and this is all that's going on. We don't even know the time period. Yeah. All that we know is that Seth was born when Adam was 130 years old, and Seth would be the replacement line, if you will, for Abel, who was the rightful heir. God replaced him with Seth, but that was at 130. So Cain and Abel, and well, Adam and Eve had been on, or, I mean, here, here there's a lot going on in 130 mm-hmm. years. I mean, Let's think about it. They got a hold of that be fruitful and multiply. And let's okay, just, just be honest just with think. you. They had other sons and daughters. Yeah. There was a lot going on. Okay, how old is America? Less than 300 years old. Sure. All right. And so we got people living eight, 900 years old. America has 330 some odd million people in it. I don't know how many people started. I don't know how many people have immigrated and that sort of thing. But, I mean, we're in the hundreds of millions in in less than 300 years. How many people could be born in, well, I mean, you're talking eight, nine hundred years from the beginning. So if you stretch out the people who were born, you know, the children, the grandchildren, all Mm. that, you're talking a long time. Right. And and so in that period between Adam and Eve and the ark, what is that? Um, more than a thousand years. Uh, it would be uh, Noah like was six hundred years old when. It, so, but I, but I think it's more than a thousand. Sixteen hundred and fifty-six years. That sounds great. Sounds like a good number. Uh, so so you know you've got that time period for the population to increase, which obviously then decreases dramatically yeah. and starts all over again with Noah and his family. But you know you could see a lot of people being born during that time. But we're talking about the first generation of children. Yeah. Cain. He, he, he's of the first generation of children. You know, there's that slight theory that he could have married his niece. Well, that just opens up a whole other question. Then which of his siblings married his sibling? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, so uh, you know, the, the question's still there. Uh, who did they marry? Well, they obviously married each other, which then begs the question, why was that not wrong? Why was that not defective? Why did that not create... Well, and remember, all my family lives in Tuscaloosa, so it's not really like (laughs) an odd thing for us. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
But you know, you've got to think, Adam and Eve were genetically perfect. And the, the introduction of sin into the human equation, while it did bring spiritual death, while it did bring God's curse upon creation, it did not immediately destroy their genetic makeup. And so Cain and his siblings would have been as close to genetically perfect as they could be post-fall. And so their genetic makeup would have been such, the, the bloodline would have been so pure, if you want to say it that way, that there would not have been any genetic um, repercussions, repercussions or, yeah. if you will, for, for intermarrying. It's not until Leviticus that yeah. incest becomes codified becomes um, you know spelled out and this is what you should not do they didn't know anything about DNA they didn't know anything about genetics but God did right. and so God prescribed what he did to protect people from marrying too close you know mixing the the genetic codes the the DNA too closely but in the beginning that would not have been an issue and out of necessity to be fruitful and multiply now what 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 people find offensive about that, obviously, is taking our understanding, even a Levitical understanding of incest, and putting that template back upon uh, mm. the early chapters of Genesis and, and reading into that something very ugly. But yet you can't do that. You can't, you can't take something from many years later mm -hmm. and apply it to uh, anachronistically to a time when it doesn't even exist, it doesn't apply. Well, you have uh, obviously the same thing in the restart after the flood. I mean, you've got eight people, right? And we've got to populate the earth. So it, it's obvious that there were things differently in the in the DNA set then, as to the time when God put a stop to it and said, "Okay." Uh, Moses write this down this is what I want uh, from here from this point on so uh, you know basically we come to the conclusion of where did Cain get a wife we didn't talk about a town but we did incorporate that in there that it wasn't necessarily a town that existed it was a town that really became a town because he was there wandering uh, and Cain Okay, much like the great folks that, uh, you know, in the state of Alabama where I'm from. No, I'm just kidding. But Cain, ultimately, the answer to the question, where did he get his wife? It would have been his sister that would have been a part of Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, the other sons and daughters that Adam and Eve had after uh, the, the lineage began. And uh, they would have naturally, it was not, um, it, it was not an odd thing. They would have naturally procreated uh, in, in that fashion. And this is really how everything started. So, guys, thank you for that answer. And really, I didn't really expect that to take our whole podcast because I've got a whole question. But here's uh, my question, Brother Larry. Uh, do you have time? Uh, and maybe in our next podcast, will you be our guest? Because I've got a question 
that I really, or a couple of questions that I really think that uh, you, you'll like to answer. So, uh, do you will you agree to Absolutely. answer? Okay, all right. So we're going to do that. But thank you, uh, everybody, for listening. We appreciate um, you listening. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. You'll get that information uh, following. And most importantly, if you have a question about how to become saved, how, how to uh, enter into a relationship with this God, this creator God that we're talking about. It's only through Jesus, and we would love to tell you how he died for your sin according to the scripture. He was buried, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to We Found Another Hour with your host, Dr. Steve Freeman, a ministry and podcast of Grace Baptist Church of Springfield, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about becoming a follower of Christ, we'd love to have that conversation. Please contact us at 615-384-3393. For other questions or information regarding Grace Baptist Church or its affiliates, write to us via email, podcast at gbcspringfield.org. And as always, as we explore the Bible together, if you have a theological question that you'd like answered on our podcast, send the question to podcast at gbcspringfield.org. Thank you for listening, and until next time, may God bless you.